to the Tony Acosta Show. Tony is a top producing broker whose team has consistently been in the top 1% in the state of Utah. He is a chapter president for the National Association of Hispanic Real Estate Professionals and a member of the Forbes Real Estate Council. His insights have helped dozens of agents reach success in their business and his passion for training drives him daily. Here's the show. What's going on guys? Welcome to episode nine of the Ask Tony Show. Thank you so much for joining me today. Today is a college football championship, so I'm super excited about that. Put down in the comments who you have, LSU or Clemson. Um, it's a big, big day in football. I love football. I'm a big football junkie. Uh, we had some great games this past weekend. Looking forward to the Super Bowl. So put, in, put down in the comments who your favorite team is, who you got winning, and let's get started with the show. How can you tell if someone hustles or if they're all talk? So the people that are actually winning can always tell if someone is actually doing what they say or if they're all talk. I'll give you a very, very quick example. Well, I'll, I'll give you two great examples. The first one is in real estate. So I see a lot of marketing from agents um, and it's curious because every agent is the number one agent, right? Everybody is the best, everyone is on top and every agent is the number one agent. But if you're kind of a psycho like me, you go in and you look at people's numbers and there are a lot of agents out there, guys, that talk a big game and they have great marketing and they have billboards and they have all these radio ads and they say all this stuff about how amazing they are and they don't sell anything. So um, that's, if you're like me, I actually look into those things because you know I wanna know who's winning and who's not. And I, it's not that you do it to bag on those people, it's just if there's a real winner, I wanna know who they are. I wanna get to know them. I wanna see what they're doing. I wanna pick their brain. I wanna maybe bring them on a podcast. Like I wanna know who the winners are. But there's a lot of fluff out there and there's a lot of people who talk, 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 but when it comes to actually going on the back end and seeing their numbers, they just don't have them. So that's why I always talk about being genuine. Like if you're new, be new, that's okay, that's fine. And show people that, that process and grow and learn. But don't fake it because fake it till you make it just has zero value. And the people that are actually winning, they can tell. Like whether it's your numbers, your stats, whatever it is, we know if you're telling the truth or if you're just full of crap. So don't do it. The other example I have is fitness. There are a lot of fitness coaches out there that look horrible um, or that they just live off of one isolated experience and then that's all that they do. For example, and I won't say any names, but there's a fitness coach in my county that they did a competition years ago and they did it one time and they didn't win and now they look completely different. Like now they're a little bit overweight, like they, they haven't maintained at all, but they're still charging people for plans. So in my opinion, that's just not right. Like you have to walk your talk, if you will. So you can't just go out there and, and, and say you're this or say you're that when you're not or if you're no longer doing it. Like you have to have some consistency in order to, to build that trust and have something to say like and, and I know that I'm in the minority because I feel this way and I 
just it just doesn't feel right to me, but a lot of people do it. So again, it's having results and actually doing and practicing what you preach. And unfortunately, there's a lot of people that don't do either. What can I do if the seller of the house I want to buy won't make any repairs? So here's what a lot of people don't understand. When you put a house on the market, in most cases, not all cases, but in probably 80% of cases, 85% of cases, the home is being sold as is. Like when there's a listing presentation, I'll go in, I'll go with the seller, I'll look at all of the different uh, issues that the home might have, I'll talk about, okay, the house has this issue, this issue, what are you willing to do, what are you not willing to do? And based on that, the home is priced. So. Um, at the end of the day, guys, the repairs that you ask for, they're optional. Like the seller does not have an obligation to fix things unless it's something that the appraisal requires. So it's very different the prospective buyer wanting repairs and just wanting them because they want them versus the bank going, doing an appraisal and requiring those repairs in order for them to approve the loan. It's two very different things. If the appraisal requires them, then in order for the sale to go through, they're gonna have to fix it. But if it's just you, or maybe you just want new carpet or you just want new paint just because, then the seller has no obligation to do it. And if you don't like it or if you know you don't feel comfortable, then you can always cancel the contract and go for another house. But you have to be reasonable. Like something that I always tell my buyers is, if there's a genuine issue, we'll address it, absolutely. If there's a genuine issue, you'll address it. But just like little nitpicky things, um, in this market, it's not gonna fly because there's so many other buyers that would quickly line up to buy that house in most cases that if you get nitpicky, the seller's just gonna say, you know what, I, I don't wanna do it. I'll move on to the next buyer and, and that's it. So you have to be reasonable. If there's an issue, address it. If it comes from the appraisal, then it has to be done. But in most cases, the home is gonna be sold as close to as is as possible. How do you consistently find ideas for content? So finding content is actually really hard to do because uh, it can come from, from two, two main places. Number one, it can come from yourself, which is original content, or it can come from somebody else, which it becomes what's called curated content. So I think that you have to have a mix of both um, in order to make it work. In my case, I have a lot of content because I have a lot of questions. So I'll just take the questions and I'll make a video and then it just it, it, it keeps going. Or experiences that I have because we have a lot of clients, then I can take those experiences and put them in video form or blog form or whatever and then create content. So whatever business you're in, you have to take both things, either original content or curated content. So you should be reading based on your industry, you should be following influencers in your market or your industry or whatever, and then feel free to share their content on your social media platforms to provide value. But also you have to throw in the original, which means you have to be creative. You have to do a show like this, or you have to do a vlog, or you have to do you know whatever it is to create original content, and then based on that, build your base. But it is a challenge uh, to always come up with content. Um, and also, don't feel forced to always do something new. Uh, in a lot of cases, people, they, they spend so much time trying to create something different, something new. If you just stick to the basics and you just you know do what you know, you talk about what you know, that's good enough. And if there's a day where you're just not feeling it or you don't have anything original to say or you're just not feeling it, don't do it. Like, skip it. Don't feel obligated to put out something new, if that makes sense. Just keep it simple. Talk about what you know. 
maybe on one of those days, you take somebody else's content and you share it uh, and just try to provide value. What is the best way for real estate agents to gain buyer's trust on Twitter? Twitter is tough for real estate because depending on, on the market that you're in, um, it's really tough to see who is in that in that area. And Twitter doesn't really have a very good um, advertising product, in my opinion. It's not very targeted. For example, you can boost a tweet for $50, which is their minimum, and only in the United States, or I think only in your state, is as close as it goes. Uh, you can't do it like by city, by county. There's not really a lot of uh, demographic options like you have on Instagram or, or, or on Facebook. So Twitter is very limited when it comes to um, targeting and ads, which is usually the way that you attract buyers on all the other social media platforms. So Twitter is probably not the best platform. What I think Twitter is good for is for you to just express your opinions, you know, be yourself. Uh, but when it comes to building businesses, uh, it's not the best option. I would probably go Facebook or Instagram or maybe even uh, LinkedIn before going to Twitter because of that limited capability uh, to not be able to target well. So probably, in, at least in my market, not the best option. Why do I have to give a large deposit before I buy my house? Well, you have to give a large deposit because you're using somebody else's money. So whenever I have this conversation with buyers, I, I always tell them, you have to look at it from the bank's perspective. So you're asking the bank for $300,000 and you're asking them to just give you that money so that you can buy your house. So how do banks make money? They make it off of interest. So the way that they calculate the interest that they're gonna give you is they see how risky your deal is. How risky based on how much money you make, based on your interest rate, based sorry, based on your credit score, based on a lot of different things, how risky the deal is. So if you don't have any money and you're asking for money, then that's riskier for the lender, if that makes sense. And they have to charge you more interest. So the reason why you have to give a down payment is because they wanna see that you have some skin in the game. Like they wanna see that you have some money, that you have some liquidity and you can actually get it done. So depending on your program, it could be from 3%, 3.5%, 5%, 10%, 20%. But the more you give, the better the bank feels about the deal and you know the better interest rates that you can get and things like that. But the reason why you have to give a large down payment is because that's how you demonstrate to the bank that you have some savings, you have some money, you're responsible, and they can give you a lower interest rate. That's why I'm so against programs that offer no down payment, because they're gonna charge you insane amounts of interest, because it's risky, you don't have any money. So if I'm a bank, why would I give you $400,000 when you don't have any money? Now, if you can demonstrate that you have 15,000, 20,000, 25,000, you can put it down, now you have some skin in the game, I feel better, and I'll lend you the money on more favorable terms. But you, you have to have some skin in, in the game. You have to. How do you balance speed and hustle with patience? Speed, hustle, patience. So it's three things that you have to have, but they seem counterintuitive because a lot of people say, okay, if I, if I have a lot of speed, then I really can't have patience. And if I hustle a lot, then I'm not very patient. And, and so they kind of seem out of whack. But you have to have all three in balanced proportion. Number one, speed. Speed means you're always doing, like all the time. You're always moving, you're, you're always building, you're always working. Not so much in terms of hours, which I've talked about in the past, but you move quickly. If you have an idea, you do it, you analyze it, you either boost it or you scrap it. So you're always moving. Patience 
means it's not gonna happen overnight. So it's the, the key and the sweet spot is to be fast and patient at the same time. That's, that's where the real results are because you're gonna, in case of content, for example, you'll pump out a ton of content and you'll understand that it's gonna take five years. Like this show, nobody watches this show yet. Nobody. Like my mom's here, she doesn't even watch it. Like I can't get her to watch a full show. So um, it's gonna take five years, six years, seven years for people to actually watch the show. But we're putting in a ton of effort we're making videos every single day. We're putting out a ton of content, article a day, video a day, podcast a day, and nobody's consuming it yet. And that's fine. I'm okay with that because I know that in 2024, 2025, 2026, that's when the real results are going to come. And when it comes to hustle, it's kind of the same thing as speed. Just work hard. And if you're good and you're consistent enough, good things will happen. My cousin wants me to be a co-signer on his house. Should I? No. What do you think about New Year's resolutions? What's yours? So I'm kind of split on New Year's resolutions, to be honest. Um, more so because I feel like it's something that you should have year round. But I just had a training with my agents um, about resolutions and goals and things like that. Uh, and my opinion is a little bit different um, because people set goals all the time. And sometimes the goals that they set, it's just an arbitrary number. For example, there's an agent that said, oh, I wanna make $100,000 a year. And it was like, okay, I mean, based on your talents, based on how hard you're willing to work, you just don't know if that's possible for you. It may, it may be less, it may be more. So my advice when it comes to goals and New Year's resolutions is just take what you wanna do, do it as best as you can, for as long as you can and let the results come whatever they may be. Like don't put a number to it. Like if I say, oh, I wanna lose 15 pounds, you know, what if I lose, what if I work as hard as I can and I lose 12? Or what if maybe I'm capable of losing 30? So you just don't know. But if I eat right, if I exercise well, if I do everything that I'm supposed to, then the result is gonna come on its own and, and you can't put a number on it it's just gonna come. So when it comes to my New Year's resolution, for example, it's just to pump out more content, number one. So I don't know how many videos we're, we're, we're gonna get to. We're trying to put out one a day. I don't know how many articles we're gonna get to. I don't know how many views we're gonna get. I don't know how many new subscribers we're gonna get. I don't know. I can't set a goal of I want 10,000 new subscribers because maybe at the end of the year we'll have 2,000 or 4,000 or maybe we'll have 50,000. So we just don't know. Also, I have certain fitness goals. I don't know where I'm gonna get. I'm just doing the best that I can. And then at the end of the year, you just analyze, you say, did I cheat? Did I do the best that I could? Could I have done more? And if you did all you could, then you can be happy with the result. Um, so that's kind of my take on New Year's resolutions, which is a little bit different than everybody else.